Amen. Amen. So <clears throat> there's this story uh, in the Bible about three siblings and Jesus. Amen. Let me switch mics here. There we go. Um, and my prayer is that this story will open your eyes to the love of God and to the compassionate power of Jesus Christ. Uh, as we celebrate in this month the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. And so this story was told that we're going to just read through. I'm not going to preach a long message. We won't be hanging from the chandeliers, but I believe I have something from the Lord that's going to help you. I do. He had a special relationship with John, and John... Uh, is the one who penned this in the 11th chapter. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. The New Living Translation, as we have finished our series with the Bible, uh, it is a thought-for-thought translation. It is not a word-for-word translation. And so it is similar to to the New International Version. Uh, It is... It is not similar to a King James or a New American Standard updated. It is a thought-for-thought translations. And so this is, we're going to just be reading through John chapter 11. I'll just be jumping back and forth. Let's stand for for this just for the first three verses. Amen. And then we'll pray the blessings of the Lord upon the remainder of the service. John 11 and 1, a man named Lazarus was sick, and he lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha, and this is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair, and her brother Lazarus was sick. And so the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your very dear friend is is sick. Your dear friend is very sick. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word here this morning, God. Lord, that we would be able to digest it, that it would become uh, uh, strength for our morrow, amen, for our bone, Lord, that we would grow, amen, in the wisdom and the knowledge of you through your preached word. And everyone say amen. Amen. You may be seated. Remember again this week, lift Sister Anna up in prayer, amen, amen, that the Lord would open a door there. I believe he will, Sister Anna. So this was a close family in the Bible. Their siblings, they lived together, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They were close to Jesus. We, we read enough about their relationship with Jesus to know that he was a close friend to them. And so he was teaching in a town a, a, a short distance away, maybe one day's travel uh, from where Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were And he became sick. And so Mary and Martha sent word to Jesus to come. Lazarus is sick. You need to come and and, uh, do something about it. Uh, But when Jesus heard about it, verse 4, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God. So the Son of God would receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha... Mary and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. So this is about a four-day event. It takes about a day for him to get there, so it must have taken about a day 
for the messenger to get to Jesus. Uh, Jesus has a plan, church. He does. He knows exactly what he's doing. He knows that you're here today. He knows why you're here today. He knows that everything is going to be all right. It will be all right. Amen. It may, it may not be all right in the end according to what you measure is all right. But it will be all right. Amen. He knows exactly what he's doing, church. He knows exactly what he's doing. And he knows how it will bring glory to God. He knows how it will bring glory to God. And so, guess what? He does not take out his computer and send an email back to Mary and Martha. Hey, it'll be all right. I got some things to do, but I'm on my way. Right? He doesn't take out his notepad and write a note. Here, send this back to them. He doesn't do any of that. He just stays where he's at for the next two days. How many of us have had a situation, a circumstance, an event in our lives where we have sent messages to God? I mean, we've called him on the main line. We've sent smoke signals. We've texted him. We've, we've done everything that we can think of imaginable to get a hold of God. Right? We've prayed. We've fasted. We've opened our Bibles. Amen. Lord, I need to, I need to get a hold of you. Amen. Things aren't going well. Amen. I, I need an answer. I need a new job. Amen. I, I need my family healed. I need, I need my body healed. I need my, my uh, job to, to change. I need, I need something. What is it? I need my checkbook touched. I need... I need the abuse of the past to be wiped from my mind. And in church, you can go on and on. I need this person who is a, a constant threat to me to be removed. I need church, you, uh, you can just imagine the things that you have gone to God. Where, where is he? You've cried out to him. Is he out to lunch? Is he on vacation? Where is he? So you tell him your issues. You tell him your circumstance. And it seems like he's gone for two more days. Well, maybe it's two more months. Maybe it's two more years. And he hasn't written a note. He hasn't texted back. He hasn't left a sign. There is nothing that he has done to indicate to you that it's going to be okay. Yet, while he remains silent, church, he has a plan. He has a plan. He just hasn't revealed it to you yet. He's remained silent. And it may be a long time, church, before he responds to you. It may be a long time. You've all heard that joke, no doubt, you know. The little the man goes to his minister and he's poor and he says, You know, Pastor, you 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 said that that money's not an issue with God, you know. And, and, uh, and, uh, and the minister says, yes, it, it's true. A penny is as a million dollars to God. And, and uh, you know, a day is as a thousand years to God. And so the 
Man goes home that night and he prays, God, please, please give me a million dollars if it's just a penny to you. And the Lord answers him and he says, I'll give it to you if you'll just give me a few minutes, you know. (laughs) We've got to have patience with God. His time isn't our time. His ways aren't our ways. They're high above our ways. And so there's times that he just doesn't reveal what his plan is. And so we, we wait. So Jesus' reason for not going to Mary and Martha and Lazarus was so glory could be brought to God. He wasn't doing it so they could suffer more. He wasn't doing it so they would go through more pain and anguish. Amen. I mean, how many of us have said, God, you know, this is painful here. What we're going through, what, the anguish I'm going through, God, could you just give me some relief? And maybe God is saying, could you just give me some glory? Could you just give me some trust? It's not that he didn't love them. He loved Mary Martha and Lazarus, he loved them, church, but he stayed away, stayed away. You see, God's love for his own, it's not a pampering love. It's a perfecting love, and there is a difference. Pampering does not perfect. The fact that he loves us and we love him is not a guarantee that he's going to shelter you from problems on this earth, from the pains of life, right? I mean, church, when we talk about the dual nature of Christ, he was all God and all man. The man, Christ Jesus, was the express image of the Almighty, right? But, but church, you know, the Almighty uh, loved the Son of God, didn't he? I mean, didn't he say when he was being baptized, Behold, you know, my son, right? Amen, my beloved. That means he loved him. And yet he allowed him to suffer, right? My God, my God, what's Jesus saying on the cross? Why hast thou forsaken me? What did he mean by that? We've preached it. We've taught it. You know, did, what did he mean? It's likely meant that, that here was the, the perfect man who had committed no sin, and that all the sins of the world were placed upon him. And he was dying a death, for somebody else's sin. And because the Almighty can't commune with sin, you know, he kind of had to pull away. He loved him, and yet he allowed the suffering to take place. When you suffer in life, don't ever say it's because God doesn't love me. When you don't get the answers in life, don't ever say God's forsaken me, God's left me. Uh, uh, Church, Jesus felt what we all feel when sin is in our lives, separated from God. But I want to tell you, church, God never leaves us nor forsakes us. He's always there. He's as close, as the song says, as the mention of his name. And in him we live and move and have our being. Amen. Church, he's not a forsaking God, but... But we feel forsaken at times. We feel like he's left the room. We feel like he's, he's on vacation. But church, it's because he's a perfecting, loving God. Amen. He allows us to drink the cup of sorrow and experience, just like Jesus did. He allows us to go through that 
we must never think that love and suffering are incompatible. They are absolutely compatible. They actually unite us with Christ. When we go through suffering, when we go through pain, when we go through anguish, we're actually uniting with Christ because it's exactly what he went through. Jesus could have prevented Lazarus' sickness. He could have healed it where he was. He could have just spoken the word. But he chose not to because he saw Lazarus' sickness as an opportunity to give glory to God. You see, church, it is not important that you're comfortable. It's not important. But it's important that we glorify God in all we do. All we do. Amen. He loved them, church, and he had a plan for them. I got a plan here because God's glory is going to be revealed. So he lets things happen in the lives of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus to teach them to have faith and to trust God, even when they didn't understand his reasoning. Church, God's got a plan for you. You may fear something today, but God's got a plan. Amen. Amen. He sees the trouble we go through. He sees the heartache we have. He sees the hurt. He sees the worry. He sees it. But he has a plan. And he allows things to happen in our lives so we will reach out and trust him. Trust him. Have faith in him. Even though he makes us wait. Because his work is not on our time schedule. He works in his time. In his time, he will reveal himself. In his time, he'll do his work in our situation. In his time, he will not show up until you're ready to receive what he has for you in his time. So after two days, Jesus shows up with his disciples to where Lazarus, Mary, and Martha are. And while they're traveling, Jesus says this, verse 7, finally says to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. And his disciples object, Rabbi, only a few days ago the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going there again? And Jesus replies, there's 12 hours in the day, in daylight. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of the world. But at night, there's danger stumbling because you have no light. And then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. And now I must go and wake him up. And the disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he's going to get better. They thought Jesus meant he was simply sleeping, verse 13. But Jesus meant Lazarus is dead. And then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. And so Jesus tells his disciples, Lazarus is dead. He's been dead for four days. Can you imagine the anguish of Mary and Martha? Their brother has died. And their friend Jesus wasn't there when it happened, and he was the only one who could have really solved this problem. But he didn't come to them. He actually twiddled his thumbs in their minds. And so their emotions were running high, right? Never make decisions on, based on emotion. Their emotions were running high, right? <laughs> Where's Jesus? You know, if he were here, this wouldn't have happened. And so, the first one to come running to Jesus, she gets word, Jesus is coming down the dusty road. And so she runs to him, right? It's, it's Martha, the, the, you know, the go-getter. She's always busy, doing, 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 doing. 
You know, when Jesus was there in their house while Mary was sitting at his feet learning, Martha's cleaning in the kitchen, complaining. You know, Jesus, you need to tell Mary to come here in the kitchen and help me clean. And Jesus says, well, Mary's the smarter one because I'm here in her midst, and, uh, and she knows that, that uh, you know, she needs to be learning from me. You can clean the kitchen all day long, but it's time for church, right? I mean, that's basically what he's saying. And so, so Martha runs to Jesus. I mean, she's the go-getter. She runs to him. Now, now I want to read what happens to, to Martha in church, believe it or not, and I've shared this probably before. One of my favorite Bible characters is Thomas. He gets such a bad rap, such a bad rap. Doubting Thomas, that's what we call him. I don't believe the Bible actually puts that label on him. I think we have, you know, doubting Thomas. You know, Lord, you know, if you let me, you know, put your, if, if I'll only believe if I can put my fingers in the holes in his hand and thrust my hand uh, through his pierced side. And then the Lord appears and the Lord says, here's my hands, here's my side. Go ahead, and what does Thomas say? My Lord and my God, you know? He's not cussing. He's revealing that he realizes now who Jesus is. He, he, he was confused about who Jesus was. That's really what it amounts to. And so he's, you know, he's dead. He's gone. We thought this would be the one uh, uh, in church. This even kind of reveals that. Thomas, verse 16, nicknamed the son Thomas Didymus. Didymus is Greek for the twin. Uh, nicknamed the twin, said to the following, to his fellow disciples, let's go to and die with Jesus. So here's Thomas and his, his confusion. Not understanding who Jesus, you know, really is. In church, we see that constantly in the New Testament. But he reveals this personal commitment here. I love this scripture. Thomas is willing to go die with Jesus because they tried to stone Jesus earlier in this town. And Thomas is saying, let's go with him. You know, if we die, we die. I mean, do we believe in his message or not? Verse 17, and when Jesus arrives at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in the grave four days, and Bethany was a few miles down the road from Jerusalem. And many of the people had come to console Mary and Martha, Martha and Mary and their loss, and when Martha got word Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. Verse 21 is what I'm wanting to get to. And Martha says to Jesus, Lord, if you had only been here, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. And so now Martha and Mary and, and Lazarus, they had great faith in Jesus. They believed in him. And Martha believed that if Jesus had been there, Lazarus would have been healed and so Jesus responds to her. Verse 23, Jesus tells her, your brother will rise again. And Martha says, yes, he will rise when everyone else rises at that last day, that resurrection day, that great resurrection day. And Jesus says to her, Jesus told her, I'm the resurrection. I'm the resurrection. I'm the life. Anyone who believes in me will live and even after they die. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Let me tell you what Jesus is saying here in layman's terms. He's saying to her, I'm the one who has the power over death and the power 
to give life. I'm the one who actually breathed life into you. I'm the reason you're alive. I'm the one who formed you in the womb. I'm the one who gives and takes away. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will have power over life even after they've died, even after their body has died. I'm the one who has the power over this. And when he says, everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die, he's saying, everyone who allows me into their life and gets into my life, anyone who follows me and believes in who I am and opens the door to their spiritual house to me, and lets me in every room of their spiritual house, will never die. And then he asks Martha, do you believe this, Martha? And she says, yes, Lord, yes. I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into this world from God. And Martha goes and gets Mary, and, and she says, Jesus is here. And the mourners are following Mary. Verse 28, and she says, and she returned to Mary, and she calls Mary aside from the mourners and says, the teacher's here. Jesus is here, and he wants to see you. And so Jesus had stayed outside the village, verse 30, at the place where Martha had met him. And when the people were, who were at the house consoling, the Bible says, Mary saw her leave hastily. They thought she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep, and so they followed her there. And when Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet. Amen. Can you picture it? Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping, oh, this is, this is powerful stuff. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, church, this is what the, this is what the New Living Translation says. A deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. A deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Now, the New American Standard updated says this. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her weeping, he was deeply moved in the spirit and was troubled. So the New Living Translation, thought for thought, says he was angry. So church, why was Jesus deeply moved? Why was he troubled at all this? If we could say it, why was he angry? What was making him so deeply emotional about this whole thing? He was so deeply moved. He loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus so much. And he saw them in this distress and this anguish, and it moved him to anger because of what caused death to come into this world. Church, this is so simple. All he's been telling Mary, all he's been telling Martha is, I am life. I give life. Do you believe in eternal life? And here is Lazarus dead. Dead. I don't, uh, Jesus wasn't angry at anybody. He was angry at sin. He was angry at Satan. He was angry at death. He was angry because this wasn't the plan from the beginning. I mean, going all the way back to Genesis, this is not 
what was supposed to happen. People weren't supposed to contact diseases and die. People weren't supposed to get sick and die because of old age, because of cancer, because of whatever. And so he's just at anguish. He's angry. He's deeply moved. He's angry at the consequences of sin, not only Adam's sin, but just sin in general. And so he's angry at the suffering it brings. He's just deeply moved. Church, when you're hurting, don't doubt that he's not deeply moved by the pain you're feeling. Don't ever doubt it. My God is an emotional God. He is. Jesus wept. Amen. He, God is emotional. He's created us in his image. In church, we're emotional. Amen. If you are a person who does not feel emotion, if you just have no emotion in you, uh, uh, you there's something wrong. You were supposed to feel emotion. You're supposed to feel joy. Amen. When something great happens. You're supposed to feel sorrow when something hurtful happens. That, that's, that's normal. So God is feeling sorrow when you're hurting. God, he's emotional about it. He, he gets angry. I hate sin. You can hear Jesus saying it. I hate sin. I hate the results of sin. I just hate it. I hate it when it ruins marriages, when it ruins workplaces, when it ruins families. I just hate it. He's emotional about it. I hate that sin has brought diseases. I, church, God hates cancer. He hates it. He hates diabetes. He, he, he hates influenza. He hates all this. Amen. Sister Jen, I, 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 I'm sorry, but God hates Guthrie. You know, he does. Because it's a sign that, that there was sin in the world. We get sick because of sin. Amen. God never planned for the, the human being who worshiped and praised him before the fall of Adam and Eve, God would, didn't plan on having hospitals built. Wouldn't have needed them. And so the wages of sin is death. So yeah, he was God, but church, he was also human. And because he was human, he felt what they were feeling, and he had compassion on them. And church, it drove him to tears, right? Where have you put him? Verse 34, he asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. Verse 35, you know, the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. And so the people that were standing near him said, see how much he loved him? But some said, isn't this the one who healed the blind man? Couldn't he have healed Lazarus from, from dying? Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? And Jesus, verse 38, was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. He's just mad as a hornet. They used to say as a kid, mad as a hornet. He's just so frustrated of everything sin has done to, to, to this family. And he comes to the cave, and the stone is rolled in front of the cave. He says, roll that stone away. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protests, Lord, he's been dead four days. Surely the smell is terrible. I mean, he's going to stink, and the Lord responds, responds, did not I tell you that you shall see the glory of God if you believe? And so they rolled the stone away. And then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here that they will believe that you sent me. And then 
Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come forth. And the dead man came forth, and his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth, and Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Lazarus, come forth. We've heard that message before, right? That Lazarus was a very common name and that he had to say it or else everyone would have come out of the grave. You know, Lazarus, come forth. And that's good preaching. Amen. But, but, but church, I think he just said it out loud so everyone would know, hey, I got some power here in the words I speak. Amen. Praise God. God can say, Lord, I'm, I, I am going to touch Anna, and he can be meaning your daughter. And he can say, I'm going to give Anna a new job, and he can mean Sister Anna. He's just that personal. We might be saying, which Anna are you talking about, Lord? Come on, church, wrap your brain around this. He knows the way that I take, Job said. He knows it. Hallelujah. But sometimes he just remains silent till the moment that he is going to receive the greatest glory. Hallelujah in Jesus' name. And all we've got to do is be willing to do whatever it takes in our lives to give God glory. Because church, if your prayer that, that God heals your family is so you rest better at night, it's really the wrong type of prayer. It really needs to be God heal my family so you receive glory. Right? Amen. Mary, Martha, the reason you wanted me to come is so you wouldn't feel bad that your brother died. That's not the right reason. You should have wanted me to come so I would receive glory. Hallelujah. You see, Jesus' purpose for bringing Lazarus from the dead, it wasn't to console his friends. It wasn't to make Mary and Martha feel better or take their hurt away. I know this is hard preaching, church, but this is good for you. It was so his glory would be revealed. It was so other people might believe in God. It was so other people would believe in the Messiah. Amen. Church, Jesus just some months later was betrayed by one of his own disciples, taken into the hands of the authorities, whooped, beaten, crucified. All his followers would abandon him and lose hope. They would. And Jesus lied in a tomb for three days. This is resurrection month. But church, he did not stay dead because he's life. How can he stay dead? I mean, he's life, right? I mean, it's the whole gospel message. 1 Corinthians 15 and 3, I pass on to you what was most important and what also has been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins. Just as the scripture said, he was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. He was seen by Peter and then the 12, and after that he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of them who are still alive. He is alive. Sister Bag, if you could come. He is alive. He has the power over death. Church, he is alive. He has the power over the grave. He is alive. He breathed life into the first human being. He is alive. He formed you in your mother's womb. He's alive. He gives and he takes away. He is alive. He is the resurrection and the life. 
He is life everlasting. Church, do you believe it? Do you believe it? I do. And I believe that I have power over death too. And I believe that I have power to rise up. That's what I'm preaching this morning, church. Pretty simple. Rise up. Rise up. We have the power to rise up above our troubles, above our struggles. We have power to rise up above tragedies in life, death of loved ones. We have power to rise up over the turmoil of family uh, uh, situations, to rise up over the evils of the world that we live in. We have the power to rise up. If we'll have the faith that Mary and Martha had, if we'll have the faith that whatever God is doing in our life is not to make us sleep better, but to, to, but to give him glory. Amen, church, if you have that in your mind, how can I give God glory? What can happen in my life to give God glory? If you'll believe, church, that he is the resurrection, that he is the life, rise above. Jesus heard it. I'm closing if we could stand. He said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death today. No, it happened for the glory of God. Rise up, church. Rise up. He knows exactly what he's doing. Rise up. He loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, but he stayed away for two days. Rise up. I can't hear, God. Where are you at, God? Why don't you answer my prayers, God? Rise up. He knows what he's doing. Rise up. Lazarus is dead. Lazarus is dead. If you had been here, you would have you wouldn't have allowed him to die. Rise up, church. It's bigger than that. It's bigger than that. Uh, uh, Martha says to Jesus, "Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died." Martha, Martha, I'm the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live. Do you believe it? Rise up, church. Rise up. Rise up above sin. Rise up above sorrow. Rise up above these things. What's your response to Jesus in the midst of your turmoil? What's the response to Jesus in the midst of your conflict? What's your response to him? Lord, I believe you're the Messiah. I believe that you are the son of the living God. I believe that you died for my sins. Lord, I believe that you've got a perfect plan for me. I believe it's perfect. I believe your love is perfect. Amen. It's perfect. Hallelujah. Rise up above, church. Amen. In Jesus' name, Lord. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Lord, look into my life this morning. Hallelujah. God, have, have there been things, Lord, that I have prayed? Amen. Lord, have there been complaints, God, that I have that I have entered into your box, amen, just so I can be more comfortable, just so I can be at ease, Lord. Or, or God, have I lived a life that has purposely been lived to give you glory? Amen. And Lord, am I just, am I just losing patience over your silence? Hallelujah. Jesus. You've got a plan. You've got a plan, Lord. Lord, let every step I take, let every word that proceeds out of my mouth give you glory this morning. Hallelujah. 
Jesus, your whole purpose is that you be glorified, that your glory would be revealed so other people would come to you, Lord. God, it's, it's, it's just so apparent, Lord, how much you love us. Amen, but it's a perfecting, Lord. And so I yield myself to it this morning, God, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Sing with us this morning. Yeah.